Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Today we've got Royce Gomez King on the show. She runs a marketing firm called Your Startup Coach, and she helps entrepreneurs with a broad variety of marketing from copy to strategy um, and, and basically lead gen, that type of stuff. So we talk about a little bit about her background, but we talk about what uh, her clients are having success with right now, how she helps strategize with clients, structure, marketing plans, and big. what I'm a big proponent of, taking that off the plate of the small business owner so that you can focus on your core competency. Uh, so we kind of dive into all that. She's also an, an author and has a book with a lot of these concepts in it. So I think you're going to enjoy it. A little bit different guest today, not necessarily another multifamily operator, but shifting and talking about our, uh, our marketing strategies a little bit. So we'll dive into that. Before we do some housekeeping, if you'd like to be on the DJE investor list and see our upcoming projects and you're not already in our portal and seeing those projects, you can go to djetexas.com, deltajulietechotexas.com, and sign up for a quick call with our team or just request uh, access to that. Secondly, if you're looking to accelerate your apartment investing, we've got a great free course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, that's a company I founded with my co-founder, and we basically um, teach the whole business model of investing in apartments. So if that's something you want to become a more active investor on, you can check out the free course at apartmenteducators.com. All right, let's jump into our episode today with Royce. Here we go. Royce, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us on the DJE podcast. How are you? I'm great, Devin. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to diving in on some marketing stuff today. And, and this is... Uh, you know, those of us that are out there doing deals, putting deals together, um, buying apartment communities. I mean, there's a whole lot on the operations side that happens, but on the front end, before anything happens, typically there's some um, building of, a, of the brand and getting some investors on board and all that's got to happen first. And so I'm excited to dive in with you on that, since that's your specialty. But before we kind of get into that, how about, you know, a little bit about your background and how did you get into uh, what you're doing now? What's your connection with real estate? Love to learn about all that stuff. Okay. I've been a serial entrepreneur since 1989, since I right. can remember. And I have just, uh, you know, learner is one of my core strengths on the strengths finder. And sure. so I love learning about different things. And uh, so I've not had a linear journey as an entrepreneur. I've done, I graduated with a fashion degree and did image consulting for about 10 years and then got into playing with horses and created programs around at-risk youth, which is one of my passions. And uh, while I was playing with horses, you know, horses eat money and <laughs> Uh, right. Real estate produces money. Right. So to feed my horse habit and to support my horse business, I got into real estate investing and um, managed, owned and managed about 30 properties. Oh, wow. To, um, you know, like I said, fund my horse love. And uh, 
real estate became a passion of mine from that point on. And um, I have to admit that as with every entrepreneur, I've had failures and I crashed and burned that first time in 08 and 09 sure. with a lot of real estate investors and learned from that experience and have started rebuilding my portfolio the last few years. But real estate is my favorite niche. And I do a ton of marketing copy for real estate brokerages, uh, wholesalers, investors, because marketing is what I know best after owning and operating 12 businesses. And um, so anyway, two of my favorite subjects combined. Personally, my husband and I live in the mountains of Colorado in a very small town, about three hours from getting anywhere yeah. to an airport. Right. And uh, we have three dogs. Uh, hopefully you won't hear them in the background at any point. But if the UPS guy shows up, you know, that's part of working from home. Um, Indeed. And I enjoy hiking and snowshoeing and despise the cold. So despite the fact that I'm in the mountains, I have a beach house in Florida and try to get to Florida four to six times a year. And um feed my real estate fetish by looking at properties around the country. Oh, I love it. I love it. The single family house portfolio that you built, were you managing all those 30s a lot to a, a lot to manage? It seems like 10 or 12 is kind of the spot, the point where people start to um, struggle with, with self-management. how did you handle that? We did. We owned, managed, cleaned, maintained. Oh, wow. We're the handyman, the cleaning crew, everything. Um, and so how do we handle it overall? Pretty well. Right. But that being said, we did crash and burn. So there were some mistakes to be made and learned from. And uh, I don't think 30 is too many if I were to do it differently today, because right. I've also consulted a vacation rental company and help them grow about 18% within 90 days. And they have a portfolio of, I think, 52 properties that were single family vacation rentals. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it can be done. It's not something I want to do anymore. I want to uh, move more into passive investing and multifamily. Seems to be a common path. Um, and the single yeah. family rental as, a, as an investment it, it can be fantastic. I think everybody should have one if, if they're inclined sure. to. It's It was uh, really opened my eyes when I did my first single family investment. But then there is a progression that happens too, where people are in it for a while and they start to see some of the limitations, which naturally can lead to looking at multifamily. We've seen that pattern over and over again. I'm curious, Royce, on the diversity of business types that you've seen You know, from a marketing perspective. Do you see a lot of um, different approaches based on the vertical or industry, or is is there are there some kind of fundamental marketing truths that you can focus on, work with the client, and kind of whip them into shape with a with a similar set of tools, if that makes sense? Devin, there's always marketing principles and best practices. Sure. However, you have to do some research on the niche. And that's why I only have a couple of niches that I really focus on because 
you have to know the keywords. You have to know how to get results for your clients. Otherwise, you're going to have unhappy clients. Sure. And that doesn't serve you or them. And um, so while there are marketing best practices, right, there's steps and a formulaic approach to writing a sales funnel that can be used in any industry. There's some niche specific things that you need to know to make it work and convert well. Yep. That makes sense. So how do you see entrepreneurs that are basically kind of getting off the ground and maybe trying to start a new brand? We talked a little bit about before we started recording about some of our coaching clients that are starting new, new brands and new businesses and trying to, trying to grow their investor list and so forth. Are there some common mistakes that you see folks that are starting a brand um, make that you would caution against? There are two newbie mistakes that I've seen over and over again. After coaching over 250 business owners and startups, I, I can tell you probably 200 of those have done these same two mistakes. Number one is they are building a business on a budget. And so they try to DIY everything. Yes. And I get it, you know, after owning and operating 12 businesses, I tried DIYing everything several times. Sure. Not a good approach. If you don't have money to start a business, keep working a day job to support that business until you have the money to hire the experts, you know, stay in your lane. You don't go have back surgery by a general practitioner or a nurse practitioner, right? You want to hire an expert that knows what they're doing. And so the DIY method is the first mistake. The second mistake is after they decide that they need to hire someone because marketing is such a broad uh, term, they call me and they want me to do everything. Well, you're a marketing expert. Can you do paid ads? Can you write copy? Can you design my website? Can you design a logo? Can you do, right? They want the whole package in one stop shop. And I have to say, there's not one single person on the planet that has that skill set that they can deliver. And so even if a marketing agency says they're a full service marketing agency, they outsource components. I know because I'm an outsourced content writer that white labels copy for some of these uh, full service agencies. So I can say when they call me that I tell them, look, I specialize in this service and this service, but I'll recommend my trusted partners who do this, this, and this. And if you're expecting a one-stop shop, you're not going to get it even with the full service agency that tells you they're a one-stop shop. They are really outsourcing different components to people like myself. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, mastery of logo design Photoshop is like a completely different discipline than copy or mm-hmm. coding HTML or whatever the case is. Like there's a there's a whole lot of different disciplines in there that get lumped under marketing. Where do you like to focus um, for your clients? What what is your what is your strong suit and where you like to where you like to play or stay in your lane? I love to help them develop the marketing strategy. You know, I was on the phone with a $5 million plus fashion brand this morning that, uh, you know, 
out of a 30 minute session, we had two great marketing ideas in places where they weren't optimizing, driving people back to their shopping cart. Right. And 30 minutes meant, you know, five figures in their pocket. So that marketing strategy and finding their blind spots and their gaps is my expertise. And then in content creation for attracting your ideal client through a sales funnel, um, nurturing that client so that you stay top of mind and position yourself as the expert through emails and, and um, consistent communication. And then that helps you close more sales with ease because you are already attracting the right client that you need. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that, that's a pretty good ROI, 30-minute call turning into kind of that that demonstrate, you know, being able to demonstrate that you're that's directly correlated to changes in revenue. Cause that can be tough in marketing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 tough to have an ad paid ad spend and it's, it's sometimes hard to draw direct correlations to revenue, which any business owner wants. Um, so that's nice to be able to have oversight on the strategy that's directly correlating to, to some kind of revenue increase, right? Absolutely. So what, what do you, what does the engagement process look like? Um, somebody comes in, how do you determine if they're a fit and how do you start working with somebody? I like to start with an intake questionnaire mm-hmm. that they fill out. And number one, that shows me that they're committed to taking action if right. we were to implement a strategy. And number two, the answers to their questions shows me if I'm the best fit. Because obviously, you know, you hear of coaches and consultants that um, take on any client and they feel like they're an expert in anything and everything. Uh I don't find that to be true. Again, after working with 250 businesses, I know which ones are right for me and which ones I can get results for and which ones I can't work with and should turn away before it turns into a train wreck. And so that questionnaire vets them and makes sure that we're a good fit and that we can get results. If we are a good fit, then I will send them a proposal of what I'm recommending. And once they get signed on the dotted line, we go ahead and book our first strategy call and get started. Uh, I know that getting quick results is something everyone's looking for. We're in a microwave society. And if we aren't able to show some kind of forward movement relatively quickly, then they lose heart and feel like they've been gypped uh, and coerced into spending money. And that's never a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's tricky. You're building a, you're building a content strategy, which is not, um, not necessarily, not necessarily quick, <laughs> right. In terms of results, a long-term strategy, but then you're also needing to deliver some quick results to keep the, the client interested. And yeah, it's a, it's a tricky balance. So you've worked with a lot of different businesses, a lot of different types of businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs, are there some traits that you see a common thread among entrepreneurs that you've worked with that make them uh, successful? Yes. Being willing to fill out the intake really, again, shows me if they're going to implement anything. I've 
been frustrated by taking on clients that I probably shouldn't have and seen red flags before we started that they weren't going to implement anything. Right. And uh, secondly, trying to put them into a coaching package or a deliverable that I can provide when they don't have the budget. I, right. I was working with someone like that last month and, you know, he, he was able to pay me for the sales funnel, but then he's like, I have to spend more on paid ads and on this and on that. And I need that and that and that too. I just was hoping that if I hired you to write a, a lead gen piece that, you know, magically business would come my way. Right. Uh, wrong fit. So needless to say, I severed that contract, did not collect payment and knew that he would be sadly disappointed because his expectations weren't aligned. And so I really try to vet clients during that first 15, 20 minute call to make sure that we are fit because if they're, if they have unrealistic expectations or they don't have the budget to carry something through to see the results. I'd rather offer them some DIY solutions or some great books or YouTube channel or something. You know, I, I do a lot of research on other resources that are free or low cost. And um, sometimes that's where they need to start you know, my book, Scale Up Your Profits, was actually written because over the course of two years of coaching, I found that I was getting some frequently asked questions, about 20 questions kept coming up. Right. So I wrote Scale Up Your Profits, and I answer about 30 or 35 questions, and you can get all those answers for a mere $15 instead of several thousand coaching with me. And so I like to provide low cost resources if we are not going to be able to carry through until I can get a deliverable that's going to make you a raving fan and give me a testimonial. I love it. It's such a great setup. Um, we've done the same thing with our, we have a coaching business and we provide a lot of free content, high value, free content. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing for us. My business partner and I started because I was getting all these requests to go to lunch and coffee <laughs> and pick my brain. And I'm like, well, you, you're not going to learn this business, how to buy a $10 million building over coffee. I mean, you, you might get some ideas, but so we've set it up same way. Lots of free content, plenty of stuff out there to get started. Podcasts, you know, resources, videos, events that are free. And then the people that we actually really invest time with and pour into, they've paid us a good amount of money. And it's great yeah. because the people that are serious and we've, we said, we're not, we're not, we didn't build this coaching business um, to be a huge money maker. We make our money in real estate, but boy, if somebody's paid us the money, they're paying attention, we're paying attention and we're working with a small set of people that are committed versus that frustrating thing that you mentioned you know, gosh, I want to help everybody, you know, but, but most people are not ready to take action and they're not going to take action. And it's kind of a nice, I call it a cover charge. You know, if you pay the cover charge and get into our, our tent, you know, now we're all serious. And that is like, the, 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 it's, you know, as a coach or mentor or whatever, you want to work with people that are, that are serious only that are going to love it. And that are going to take action. And like you said, you know, be, be a, a great example of, of uh, what you've got on offer, right? 
Devin, I couldn't agree more. And I think we learned that by taking on wrong clients yes. first, don't we? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice way to kind of separate who's serious from not. And, and everybody could talk about what they're going to do and the, the dreams and the plans. But writing a check is the, um, that's kind of the real differentiator, um, yes. which, which is a very simple kind of, um, which is a very simple kind of metric to know who's, who's serious or not. Um, well, let's talk about multifamily specifically, like a lot of what we do in my company and in our coaching clients companies and in my friends and colleagues companies is, is go out and buy apartment buildings, but these things require a lot of capital. Um, and a lot of this is coming from investors. So we'll put in some money, but other passive investors are also putting in money. Um, you know, talk, talk to me a little bit about some of the marketing you've done for folks that are out there creating a, a brand around raising capital and what you've, what you've seen, you know, work and not work in that space. Devin, with the multifamily sector, you have multiple stakeholders. Like you said, you're initially raising capital from investors. Right. So you need marketing content and a drip campaign for them. And then you're going to need an impact report or some kind of summary statement to give to your in investors. Um, but then you have the stakeholders of people you're actually moving into these apartments because most investors in that space tend to find properties that have some up upward value. And uh, so maybe rents are low because it needs to be re re Habbed or updated. Sure. Uh, it's been kind of let go and there's some deferred maintenance. And so you're going to then rebrand and reposition yourself to attract higher quality tenants at a bigger price. And that's an entirely different marketing campaign with a message to people that want to rent than your passive investors. And so there's a continual campaign there. And then most multifamily investors go into it with an exit strategy, you know, of two to five years once they've rehabbed that property and have uh, pretty much a full occupancy. And so then what's your exit strategy and how do you market to people that want to buy a property that is a really good, solid investment? Right. Yeah. Two very different um, contingents there, your investor mm -hmm. base and your, and your renter base, kind of different, different um, pieces of that socioeconomic strata there for sure. And, yes. and that's uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, this is, this is great, Royce. I, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to dive into some of the different aspects of what you do and appreciate that. Um, is there a favorite kind of client that you like to work with? I, it seems like, you know, a lot of uh, small business owners have kind of an ideal client. What is that for you? Yeah, I really love the real estate niche mm -hmm. and I've worked with wholesalers and um, syndicators and brokers. Um, my favorite, I have niched down into what I like to write more than the ideal client. And these are right. uh, businesses who are big enough to have 
money to pay me, but small enough that they need to outsource a lot of their things. So typically that's under 10 million, uh, one to 10 million. Annual revenue. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I will write sales funnels, email newsletters, uh, blogs, and uh, your annual reports or your quarterly investor reports primarily. That's huge because that takes up a lot of time and mental bandwidth mm-hmm. and main a lot of times may not be the skill set of your of your operator. You know, your operator or your person that's running and trying to buy multifamily deals, they really need to be focused on deals and dollars, finding that next deal Absolutely. and finding how they're going to raise capital. And um, it's been my experience that people, you know, trying to set up a newsletter or things like that, it it the the months go by pretty quick and here's another newsletter. We got to get the content out. seems like a lot of that marketing stuff ends up on the back burner. If that, if that wasn't a core competency of theirs to begin with, or maybe they didn't have it in their professional background. Uh, so being able to offload that stuff is, is a huge help for a smaller company. Yeah. It's time consuming research has shown that you can spend up to 33 hours a week on marketing, uh, pieces, not, not the strategy where you can set aside one day and plan, but those mundane pieces. And so the best use of your time is to hire it out to someone like me. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And go focus on doing another deal. That's going to build <laughs> equity and cash flow for, for yes. everybody. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for, for sharing uh, with us today and coming on the podcast. If somebody wants to connect with you, learn more about your book, learn more about your, you know, what you guys do. How can they do that, Royce? Best place is my website, yourstartup.coach. And no, it's not.com. It's yourstartup.coach. My books are on there. It will take you right to the Amazon link. Um, Contact me pages on there. So that's the best place. Perfect. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. And um, thank you very much for jumping on today. Really appreciate you sharing your, your expertise with us. Absolutely, Devin. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team answer any questions you have and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. A lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review that helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.